Hi, it's Cammy Chris Kamara, and you are listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. They are unbelievable. Good afternoon, good morning, and good evening from wherever you are listening from. Welcome to episode 42 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast, the only active Wakefield Trinity podcast worldwide. Today is our third official fans forum, and the first we held a season preview, and the second we dissected the first six weeks of the season. And now we've just kind of hit the halfway point of 2022, so we thought, why not bring it back and see how well Trinity are travelling so far. Um, I'm Jamie Robinson, I'm your co-host, and... I'm with the ever-present so far, my co-host, my dad, Lee Robinson. How are we doing, Dad? Hello there. Hello. Welcome to Thursday's uh, podcast. Uh, you've heard my voice before and you know all about me, so over to the other two. Yeah, coming back for his third appearance on our fans' forum. Welcome back, Peter. How are we doing? Hey, guys. I'm good. I'm good. Excellent stuff. And his first appearance on the podcast. Andrew, welcome, mate. How are we doing? Thank you. Yeah, cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here and um, I love love what you've been doing so far with the podcast and with the, the Heritage Project. So cheers for having me. No worries, mate. We were just obviously chatting just before the podcast. Just a little bit of background on yourself. You're not originally from Wakefield, are you? No, I think it's quite obvious um, you can tell that. I'm from Oxford originally, born and bred. Um, Oxford United fan from four or five years old. Um, so I think I'm used to misery and suffering as a following a club, which probably fits quite well with um, moving up here four years ago and needing the club to follow. I think it was always going to be Trinity in that respect. So, um, but yeah, um, I'm up here now. I've been going to games probably for regularly three seasons now, obviously with the, the COVID break in the middle as well. Um, but yeah, I, I just really sort of took, took, took the club to heart. Um, love going to Bellevue. Reminds me a lot of going to the old manor ground in Oxford as well, um, which is full of character, shall we say? Um, probably the best way to describe it, but it feels very familiar to me. Um, and I love going there. I love the club. Um, I love the, the community spirit and everything around it. So, yeah, it's great. Thanks for having me again. Superb stuff. Welcome, Andrew. So, Peter, we'll, we'll start off with you, mate. Uh, we- since the last podcast, we've we've been in the cup, we've knocked out Warrington, we've lost to Wigan in the quarterfinals, um, and we've had a, a run of, of four wins and seven losses. How have you kind of seen this this kind of chunk of period in in that time? Um, well, obviously, the, it's great at the moment because we are winning. Um, it wasn't enjoyable all the time when we were going through a losing streak. I have to say, I felt there was always something there. I thought that you could see the spirit of the team and they were trying and the comments from Willie were always good. But there were there was really big things missing when when we were losing. We, there were sometimes where we were trying really hard and we just could we just never looked like scoring. We were easy to defend against. And I think we seem to have just tweaked it and it and it's just tipped us over the other side. Hopefully that keeps going. So um you know, I'm, I'm quite positive on, on when I'm watching, and I'm always looking for the for the small little thing that's good, even though it's really bad. There's a couple of games where that was really hard to find, but um, but good now. Uh, so let's hold on to it as long as we can. Exactly. Just rewinding a bit, Dad. Obviously, we beat Warrington in the cup last time we've we've been on the podcast. We had a really fantastic win against Salford in in the league. We then came up against Wigan in the cup. Cass in the league and then Wigan again and we were just on a bit of a spiral. Where, where did it kind of go wrong for you? He looked as though we threw everything into the Wigan Cup game. Um, obviously, we're every, anybody that's of our era 
we'd love to get to a cup final. And when we beaten Warrington, it was like, bring Wigan on. We're ready. We'll take them on. We can beat this team. Because Warrington away in the cup. Well, Warrington away in both were two of the greatest games I've ever seen Trinity play in Lancashire. I thought they were thought the phenomenal performances. Uh, then we beat Salford and we were on it. We were on high, weren't we? I and mean, I think we actually thought we were going to beat Wigan. Uh, in the first 20 minutes, I thought we had a good go as well, but we couldn't score. And then obviously Wigan ran away with it. And I think we seemed deflated. Uh, Castleford at all was was just I, I couldn't believe how bad we were. It was just one of those shame shame nights. Uh, I saw somewhere on I don't I don't take a lot of um, gorm of the uh, Facebook or social media sites, but somebody actually said that uh, you know we're not going to win the cup, we're not going to win the grand final. So when Castleford and Leeds come to Bellevue, they're our cup finals. And for us to play like we did against Castleford, it was such a shame. Um, Wigan on um, Good Friday on, on Easter Monday it was always going to be tough. We had a lot out. They he said it was probably they thought he was a home banker. Um, and then Old Kingston Rovers away. We usually beat them as well, but we didn't perform. And then Huddersfield, we just looked a little bit tired. We had the conditioner on, and he sort of um, there's no excuses uh, for, for the uh, for the six seven losses we had on the trot. Um, but we just obviously that um, Easter period. I think we had nineteen six games in nineteen days which was difficult and they couldn't train properly. Um, I know a lot of teams had the same sort of turnaround, but it just probably it was more than most. I think what disappointed us most, Andrew, especially around that period, is Toulouse and Leeds and to an extent Hull KR as well were, were games that we really needed to win. And the fans who were at the Toulouse and Leeds games said that we almost didn't even get off the bus. Yeah, it seems like that. I think Lee was right there. Was that we either seemed like the best team in the league at times, or the absolute worst, and often in the same game as well. Um, you look, especially like the Salford game, uh, tore them to pieces in the first half. Second half was abysmal. Um, and then looking at, yeah, that Cass game was absolutely dire as well. But um, yeah, to, to not go to Toulouse and, and pick up anything felt like a real kick in the teeth at the time. And obviously, we've turned it around now to an extent. and. You look forward to like the, the magic weekend. Obviously, people think that's that's a relegation decider there, and then doesn't look like that's going to be the case now. But um, yeah, that little spell of games, it did look like pretty much we we were guaranteed to be in in a big scrap. But um, yeah, the last two the last two weekends have been fantastic, and it just turned it around. So looking a lot more positive now. Definitely. So, and Peter, once again, you, you talk about on the forums, you talk about online. It's all relatively positive now. We've We've won two in a row against two relatively bigger clubs than us, Hull and Warrington. You were at both games. What, what did you take out of those games? Um, well, again, I think there's a little bit of, uh, I think, luckily, and Andy mentioned it, it was like that kind of the attacking style. Like I said, I don't think it's changed a lot. I think we've just seems to be playing with a little bit more confidence so that it's just, there's a, there's a little mini break. And I think before we've made a little mini break, look to pass, and then it's just... It's either been a wild pass where they've taken a chance and it's just gone to ground, or they've or they've held on to it. It's just never quite been the right decision. And suddenly now Lino's just buzzing a little bit more, and and they're making those passes count. Now, part of it, it can't possibly be it, but part of it, um, we always play well in the sun and on the hard ground and stuff. And I, I don't know why, because it can't be just that, because it's you know the rugby players and the play and anything, but we just seem to kick in a little bit better at that point. So. Um, it's hard to put your finger on exactly what it is. Like I said, because when you listen to to Willie talk on on the on his kind of interviews and things, and he wasn't he wasn't coming out saying these guys played really terribly or that guy I'm going to drop because um, you know he didn't have a bad game. And there was no game where I thought I thought 
suddenly one player just kept dropping the ball all the time. It was everybody right across the field. And uh, they just seem to have just, like I said, tipped it over the edge where they've 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 got through that tough time and they're now on a bit where it's um, the confidence is back and suddenly now they're making a break and looking for the right pass and the, and the guy on his shoulder is right there ready for that pass. Um, and the, re- the reverse applies as well with the defences. There's, there's been times when we've been on our line and the, and the opposition have attacked. And, I, and I've almost confidently looked and thought, they're just going to score. I, I, we're just not going to do it. And I've seen us, t- you know, suddenly now we can hold people out for three sets and suddenly it's just working. So honestly, safe, right? it's hard to say with Wakefield because it's not quite some, – some people talk about like the whole itself. It depends which whole team turns up, are you going to win or not. I don't think we're quite like that. We're not. It is just a little bit of confidence for us. I think when it, when we're on, we're on, uh, and we're not we're not off. When we're off, we're only like five percent less. It just makes us on the other side of a, a win or a loss. Um, so, and and the last thing I will say is that um, Willie seems to have carried us through. A lot of people have a go at a coach and really lay into the coach, and it's always his fault. And I feel as if he's just he's held his nerve a little bit on this, and he's he's kept playing the same way, and he's kept playing players that have. Not quite been there, but worked on them to get them better, and they've got better. So I'm quite pleased with him that he's he's managed to stick with it. Very much so. And Andrew, obviously, there was a lot of talk around the kind of KR Huddersfield to lose Leeds band of of losses that the team were fighting for the fans, they weren't playing for each other. But as soon as that drop goal went over against Hull, the first thing they did, they were, they were around each other and they were straight to the north stand. So it was it, it was a fantastic moment and great to see that the, the team was in good spirits. Yeah, it was an incredible moment. You felt like it was a turning point as well. The fact that everyone just just sprinted from the halfway line uh, to the north stand. It's great to see. And I think that was probably always there. I think, yeah, I think Peter covered it there. It's just there was always that one pass that wasn't quite right or missed tackle here and there, to, you know, on our own line. Um, but the, the spirit, I don't think, ever went. It was just, and I think, like you said, Willie talked about it in his interviews, nothing's changed really in how we set up and approach the game. Um, it's more, maybe things are falling away a bit more or concentration's a bit better. Um, but I think it was always going to click. It just needed that moment. And the whole game really, it didn't really feel at all until about 72 minutes or whatever it was when we got one back that that, that was going to happen. But I think that's probably what's changed now as well is that we're not up and down. We're not the best or the worst team in the league. Um, we're just a team who does things well and, and, do what the best teams can do, which is find a way to win, however you can. Um, and we've done that for the last two home games, so that's been that's been really good to see. It's just a, a little bit more resilience and um, probably a bit more streetwise as well. Better game management, being able to see that and actually just not giving up. You know, we were behind what four times to to Warrington, I think. Obviously, going into the last ten minutes against Hull, it looked pretty pretty bleak as well. But you know, we we did it, and it's great. You know, to get those two moments late on as well. Um, probably better than winning it, you know, 32 nil in many ways, because you get that that moment of celebration and relief, which was which was brilliant to see. And Dad, since since kind of the last fans forum, like I said, there's, there's been 11 games, and looking back to say that we've had four wins and seven losses, it's it's not really the end of the world that everybody was thinking it was really. It's not. No, I think when we when we I'm a very when it comes to Trinity, I'm very positive. When we lost to Toulouse. For the first time for years, I'm thinking, oh, crikey, you know, relegation could be looming here. And then I went to Headingley and that was a shambles as well. And I'm thinking, where are we going to pick up here? 
Um, but you know, we'd lost, we'd lost seven on the trot. Um, we got Hull coming up, and anything can happen. Can can when Hull come? So it was, it it was just one of those things where I was just looking over my shoulder, and you're looking at the table, and you're looking at the fixtures coming up, and we're a long way from Leeds in 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 tenth. But yeah, a couple of wins going to turn us around. And now there's a six point gap between us and Toulouse. We've got a better points difference. We level on with Salford, Warrington, a point behind Leeds, and Salford coming up next. Definitely, and Toulouse obviously not too far off as well. So it's. We win the games we need to win. It's looking very positive. But talking about positivity, Peter, um, we had John Minards on the podcast recently. I know you actually listened to his interview, and I think Andrew did too. But very positive with the stadium redevelopment plans. Um, positive future for us at the minute. Absolutely. I think and the stadium, I don't think it can be underestimated how important the stadium is going to be for Wakefield, is that whether it's bringing crowds, whether it's bringing new people in, whether it's corporate side, um, you know, nobody wants to call their own ground. But let's face it, it's, it's over 100 years old and it's and it looks it. It's that kind of thing. It's not a, a stadium that's been, you know, that's got some good bits and a, and a little poor bit in the corner. All of it needs updating. And I love going. And it, it's funny, one of the things I, I, I was mentioning, I think I've mentioned before, is that at one time or other, in, when I've been watching Wakefield, I've probably spent a whole season at some corner or some area of the pit, of the of the ground I've gone at all the different times sometimes I've sat down in this in the stand in the west stand I've, I've stood in the the middle of the north stand to the left and the right of the north stand in front of the, the, the scoreboard stood in where the MA supports stand now uh, and down where the the bottle bar is now as well all the way around and in the in the boxes and it's it's a great place to to watch rugby and the, and the pitch is fantastic but but it's old it's as simple as that, and that needs changing. And I think the, that's part of that positivity we, to, we talked about, where um, it can't just be on the field because that's that's fleeting. We could we could win ten in a row, but then still lose ten in a row, and the mood of the of the fans will go. Whereas the stadium is a permanent thing. If we make that change in the stadium, it suddenly puts us a little bit higher up in the league, where. We don't feel embarrassed talking to away supporters all the time when they laugh at our stadium and they've got a nice new football stadium. We will have a nice new rugby stadium, and I think that will be important to us for the whole, for, right from uh, Michael Carter right down to to me as a supporter. I think everybody will feel more positive with that. You're a self-admitted original football fan, Andrew. But when you first started coming to Trinity, what were kind of your views on the ground in comparison to what you've been to in the past? Uh, well, I, I loved it, but I'm a bit of a, a football romantic, really, at heart. Um, bit of a, a sports ground geek as well. So it ticked all the boxes for me. Uh, like I said, it reminds me of Oxford's old, old manor ground, which you know, it was falling to pieces. It was not fit for purpose, but it had a, a certain charm about it and, and had lots of character. Uh, and that was also like this, this hodgepodge of different temporary stands that probably went up 40 years ago and just stuck around and should should never have been there more than 10 years. Um, but you can understand exactly why someone, your more casual supporter who's not, you know, they're looking for entertainment, they, they're going to spend £25 on a weekend, they want to, they want somewhere comfortable and somewhere nice to watch a match. You can understand why Bellevue doesn't really um, appeal to them. So, yeah, I've been, I've been sort of reading the plans this week for, for the stadium redevelopment. It's really exciting. Um, I think most importantly for me, sort of with that um, perspective, as well as as a football fan, as as an Oxford fan, that we left that ground for for a new build out of town 
on a, on a brownfield site. Um, so it's just a concrete breeze block in the middle of nowhere. It's half an hour from the city centre. Uh, it's next to a cinema and a bowling alley and just, it, it's not a great place to watch football. And we're already looking at leaving that now, Oxford. We're going to build a new stadium that's more fit for watching football. It's not, you know, it's not a place for entertainment. So I think there's a lesson there to be learned that um, you, you need to retain that that tradition and that place and that sense that, that this is where the club belongs. Um, whilst also modernising and, and realising that you need to bring the ground into into the 21st century. But yeah, I'm very happy actually that the club is is redeveloping Bellevue rather than building elsewhere. Because obviously I've read about um, the saga with the new stadium and um, you know where that could have been and what that could have been. And that feels very much like a, you know that sort of typical out of town development. Um, and the club probably would have lost quite a lot of its sense of identity perhaps by doing that. So. Um, yeah, really exciting to see what happens. Um, the plans look good. It looks like it's going to serve the community as well, which I think is very important. Uh, so yeah, looks looks really exciting. Just I think John Munnell said on, on his interview that people will believe it when it happens. Um, so yeah, let's let's see what happens over the next year or so, and hope that it all goes to plan. And traditionally, Dad, Bellevue was one of the best grounds in the country in the day. You know, they've held internationals there. They've held big cup finals and semi-finals there. And they had, what was it, 15,000, 20,000 fans there in for Wakefield back in the day. Yeah, it was one of the best in the country. But obviously, pre-war, we've had 37,000, 37,000 in that ground. Um, and it, it makes you wonder how they all fitted in. Yeah, we've had Challenge Cup finals there. We've had Championship finals there, internationals, county games, Yorkshire Cup finals, you name it. They all stopped coming in the early 70s. So that's what's happened in the last 40, 50 years, because there's other grounds better than ours. Um, but it's, yeah, it's historical. It's our church. It's where we go worship our heroes. So no matter what it looks like, it's where we all go on Sunday or whenever Trinity are playing. Um, the stand that's going to come down uh, in a few weeks was built in 1924. So that's how old that is. There's, I'm fascinated by the little office in the top left-hand corner behind where the scoreboard, before the big screen goes. That is, it's like an old, it's all shut up now. That was the old committee room and the old secretary's office. That was built in 1949 um, before it was all filled in and used as changing rooms. So to me, it's still a historical monument. I walked around. I walked around a few weeks ago with my camera on my phone, just asked Michael Carter whether I could go down. I just took pictures before it all changed, and I was in every nook and cranny. I went into the toilets. I went into the old dressing rooms, um, in the dugouts, and and all sorts. So yeah, it's a well-worn place. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, it's our church. Continuing, continuing with the positive trend, Peter. We've um, we finally signed a prop. Everyone was bellowing from the rooftops that we need a prop. We need a prop now, and we've we've gone out and recruited a uh, Rob Butler from from Warrington. Obviously, he's not played huge minutes at the at, at present, but he's had a decent one out in the reserves and a couple of games first team. Have you been impressed with what you've seen? Um, I've liked him. I think it was. Um, I mean, the first thing to say is. You know, there aren't that many props around. Even if you had unlimited money, there's not a lot of props around. So when we needed one, um, that was quite a a good bit of work by somebody to get him. Um, like you say, he didn't do a lot of minutes. When I looked at the stats, it was one of those where in some games when we were struggling, he was um, he was just tackling. He didn't miss his tackles. He made, he made a lot of tackles for his minutes, but he didn't make many runs with the ball, which obviously you want from the from a prop. But when I looked at it, it was he was coming on in the game where we were dropping the ball every, on the second tackle, so he didn't get a chance to get into the game. Where there were others where he, he did more. Now, I think he's just one of those where um, 
he will just get better. I think he just needs more game time. I think he he looked a little bit like on his first couple of games, he looked like somebody new to the team, which which you could tell. So he was doing basic stuff. He wasn't looking to slip the pass and do everything because he had to get used to his team. Um, so he was doing his basics. He stood in the middle, tackled everything that came at him, and he ran ran hard when he got him. So I'm I'm quite happy with that. Um, I would I would go on to say that. Uh, the other signing we made, obviously at the beginning of the scene with, with Whitbread, I think he's, uh, I've always been quite impressed with him and he's done his middle job really well. But more recently, I think he's been one of the shining lights that stepped up a little bit more. He isn't David Fafita. He doesn't bounce people, you know, five people off in one go and run the length of the field. But he, he was making breaks, but he was, he just makes good decisions. When he does break, if he passes, it's a good pass. He doesn't always pass. But that's also a good thing. And when he tackles, the feel it looks like they've hurt somebody. And so our front row is not looking so bad at the moment. Aroma seems to have stepped up as well, to be honest. So I'm quite pleased with that. And I think he fits into that sort of style of um of play we've got. So I think just one more uh, was just what we needed. Same question to you, Andrew. Are you, are you happy with what you've seen from Rob Rubble so far? Yeah, no, it seems like he's he's fully capable of of playing at this level. Um Good, good sort of support for that for that front row, which looks a lot better now. But like, yeah, I agree with Peter that, that everyone's pulling the weight a lot better as well in the last few weeks. Um, I think Dave Fafita is probably getting back to to close to his best now, which has been a big positive in the last few weeks. Um, and yeah, again, Whitbread I think was fantastic, especially against Warrington. Um, like you said, he's not he's not charging through people; he's getting around them and um, getting a lot of yardage there as well. So. Yeah, a lot, I think, probably been worked on a lot. I'll probably give credit, to, obviously, to, to Willie and the coaching team there. I think they've probably put a lot of work into that um, and improving and, and picking up on where we were, maybe not quite with it, not quite 100% um, in that that little losing streak. So, yeah, it's been a lot better the last few weeks. Excellent stuff. Dad, Dad not to kind of go down the negative route too much, and we don't know much, if any, information about this whatsoever, but there's obviously been rife transfer rumours that seem to coincide with our losing run. Uh, coincidentally, of Tom Johnston, Jacob Miller, Mason Lino, James Batchelor, every, every basically star player we've got potentially leaving the club at the end of the season. Um, once again, we're not, we can't really comment on specifics, but would you, would you want to retain all, all of them players? Absolutely, yeah. I think that's the, just the conversation. All their contracts are up. So if the contracts are up at the end of the season, then people talk. The agents are sniffing. Um, so, you know, Johnston's contract's up, Miller's contract's up. I don't think Lee knows this. I'm sure Mason Lino's got another year. Um, Bachelor, I think his contract's up. Big Dave Fafita's um, contract as well, along with their owner. So, yes, I'd... I don't think we're, I don't want to be a selling club anymore. We certainly don't want to be selling our youngsters. You know, James Batchelor, um, he's, he's still classed as a, a youngster. I know his contract's up. If somebody comes in and offers more money, then it's, it's where the agents step in. Um, we don't, we could do to try and keep all of our halfbacks because um, our halfbacks, when they play well, they link well. Um, Johnston, obviously, we all know about Tom Johnston. Um, get rid of his injuries, and he's one of the best um, wingers in the country. Um, Big Dave, if we can keep, keep he's. I thought he was going to go anyway when he sort of picked up his, his, his squad number and he was 35. I thought that was going to be his last season and maybe going to go home. We've had him on the contract. He wants to play with his brother. Wouldn't that be a kill if we, if we had both the features in our team? But again, it's all rumours. Nothing's come through from anybody. There's no nothing from either, any clubs in the country. It's just all 
um, social media rumours, media rumours from the media, and um, probably instigated by the, the agents. I will say one thing, actually, sorry to interrupt, but the, the good thing about it, it, it's terrible when people look and you think that people are going to leave the club. But the good thing is all those players um, are wanted by another club. It says something about our squad where before it would be, you know, you might get the young player going before he's made it, but they'll take him. Huddersfield will take him because they've got more money and we're struggling for money and we've been that kind of thing. And, and I think, like you said, we're not a selling club now. Some people may have to go, but we're not selling them. They're choosing at the end of the contract to go somewhere else if they go. Um, but the, the fact that we've got so many on that list that other top clubs would want them and, and you know, like of a bachelor, if you see his brother playing now and stuff like that, he's... Um, and now Bachelor played his last couple of games. He's a sought-after guy. So I hope that we can keep them. And I know um, money's important and we should keep the contracts under control. Um, but it's kind of a good thing. As long as we can handle it, it's kind of a good thing. Andrew, do you think almost the, the progression of someone like Joe Bachelor kind of spurs James Bachelor on to kind of try and progress his own career? Well, that I think that was the the suggestion in the media, wasn't it? That, that there was perhaps a hint of um, he's not able to ful fulfil his potential here, um, and he sees that. So yeah, there's that. But you know, I think obviously being a homegrown lad, he's he's going to want to do what his brother's done and that, achieve that sort of success with with Wakefield. So um, yeah, hopefully he sticks around, and hopefully now that perhaps we look like we are pretty much safe now. Um, some of those players where there's been rumours flying around, maybe rethinking decisions that they'd made a few weeks ago, um, probably puts us in a, in a better position for keeping them on board as well. Talk about, we've, we spoke about Tom Johnston quite a lot on this podcast over the, over the past year or so, but I think it lessens the blow slightly, Peter, that the form Lewis Murphy's in at the minute. I agree. I've... I've always been, I've always been a Tom Johnson fan, he's, and it's just he's just outstanding to watch. And and from a point of view of kids watching the game and wanting to be like somebody, he's he's, he's a young guy from Wakefield that people would want to um, to emulate as well. Um, but and I remember at the beginning of the season, a couple of the guys that, that I talked to were talking about Murphy, and I was a bit like, yeah, okay, but when's he going to play? And you know, we just sign line him and stuff. And then he starts playing, and every single game is he's. he's He's, he's got better every game at something. And when he's when he looked like he had a little flaw in his game, he's just instantly plugged it and done it again. So credit to the coaching staff again for that, but credit to him. He, he must have worked hard on his game. Um, so the thing, not wanting to be controversial because I would want to keep everybody, everybody that you've just listed on that list, I want to keep them all. If we have to let one go, when you think, would we let Dave, Dave Fafita go? Well, we won't replace him. You're going a long way down the down the list to get another one to replace him. Probably the same with someone like Miller, because although he's he's not irreplaceable, to get a comfortable standoff in your team that plays the way that you want takes a long time and a lot of money to get someone like a Maloney or something like that. And the same um, same with Batch, he's got so much potential he can play different positions where we're struggling. Whereas Johnson, although he's you know on his day, it's world class. I mean, he's, he's outstanding. Um, but if I had to let one go, I'd probably let him go because of Murphy, because of that, just that one thing that um, he's not exactly the same, but what he, and he's not world-class, but the fact that he's, he's so good at what he does and he's, you know, he's got some pace. I'd love to see him really break away and, and have a, a good run, you know, in some of the games coming up. But um, exactly like you say, I think 
uh, great to have them both on each, you know, each one on each wing. But um, if Tom goes, I'm not too upset with Murphy staying. Um, we talk about the back line, Dad, and obviously in recent weeks it's kind of been a case of Lee Gaskell coming in at fullback and Max Jowett being um, rested. I guess you, you, I don't like seeing dropped because it looks like he's made a, a bad decision, but it's, it's basically been a case Max hasn't been in the side, he's been in the reserves. How have you kind of viewed that? Because it's it's a sense of Lee Gaskell's coming in with one two out of two, so I guess you can't argue with it too much. Exactly. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big Max fan. Um, I always think he should be given his chance at fullback. And yeah, I thought he had done this year. I thought he'd actually established himself at fullback. Then after um, Toulouse, um, he was left out. Gaskell came in at fullback. Gaskell went off and injured at half time. And I'm thinking, right, well, what was that decision for? Why? And, and Max was running on with the water. But yeah, last two games, I thought Gaskell's been outstanding against Hull and Warrington. Um, linking him from the fullback, he scored one of the tries against against Hull. But he's been quite stand out at the full full back at um, in the last two games. So I'm not sure where Max. Well, I'm sure I know exactly where Max fits in. But with Gaskill at full back at the moment and playing well, um, it's difficult to see how Max getting back in at the moment. Andrew, when you kind of look at this from a, from an objective perspective, obviously as a Wakefield fan, Max is from Wakefield, has come through the system, is is a born and bred number one. But it's very difficult to argue at the minute that Lee Gaskell hasn't kind of earned his place. Yeah, definitely. I know Gaskell's had his critics, not not the most popular players in that little losing streak that we had. Um certainly wasn't wasn't faultless. There, you know, there were a couple of mistakes. Um and Max was just the same, like I think a couple of missed tackles at, at into lose, which which were pretty fatal then. Um but you could say the same about Gaskell. He missed that I think he missed the tackle against Hull just for half time. Um that put us in a pretty bad position there. So um, yeah, neither are without their faults, I would say, obviously. And I've seen Max, you know, he's been part of the warm-up. He's been there. Whether it's a fitness issue or not, I'm not 100% sure. I think it would be quite harsh to to drop him for that, you know, that the performances during that little spell. Um, but, yeah, I don't think you can argue that, you know, Gaskell's been really good. And more than anything that I might put it down to is that you, you watch Gaskell and he's always communicating, he's always organising, um, whether that's maybe, you know, the... the gives him the edge over Max at the minute. Um, but yeah, I think he, he's definitely earned his place there. Um, and it's going to be tough for, for Max to get back in now, um, especially with those couple of wins under us. So um, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to struggle. Again, not sure if it is a fitness issue or not. I've seen him out there. He's been taking, you know, full full participation in the warm-up. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens there in that position for the rest of the season. Are you confident of Max earning his kind of getting his place back, Peter, or do you think that that could be it for the season? Um, I'm a little bit, like both the other two just commented, I like Max, and I, and he's he's developed over time. And, and um, so to answer your question, I am confident. I'm confident in him. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily a case of which one's better because it's kind of what Willie wants from that player. Because... Uh, it's one of those things as if, and I probably put him up against maybe everybody in the league. If, if as a high ball goes up uh, and I want somebody underneath it to catch it, Max is the guy. He will catch that ball no matter what and confidently and he'll run it out and he'll make ground. Um, and, you know, yes, he he's had a couple of, you know, um, sort of people moaning about his uh, his defence, but I don't really find that an, a, a problem with him. And more so for a full-back is if, you, if your full-back's missing a tackle, it means another 12 people have just missed it before him. So I don't really see that as being a big issue for him either. The difference with Gaskill is 
he's, he's a ball player and he can put the passing that you want to get to the wing or to, to cut the um, the defence and you know in two. And I think the, the problem is that it's not so much that Max hasn't played well, it's that we've been missing that particular skill. And maybe with, you know, Miller not not quite doing it as well and, and so on and so on. Over that group of losses, that was the thing that seemed to be missing. And I think, you know, if, if Willie Poaching has said, I need to replace that, then he's let a player go, you know, that's doing well for a player that's also doing well in the reserves and and giving him his chance. And his his first game in, like I think, like Lee said, he he wasn't perfect. And I was, you know, I, I was picking on him a little bit from from my view. Of, I saw a couple of mistakes, but ultimately he's got it. He's got it under control. And Gaskill's now hitting that line. And I've noticed the same as what you said about the the talking. He does seem to be quite a leader on the field. So although Max is, I'm sure Max is a senior player as well, feel a bit more confident with Gaskill when he's shouting at everybody and telling them where to go and where to, you know, uh, run the plays. I think that's that's a big advantage to us at the moment. So, But there'll be a time when we need Max back to do his thing. And I think Max will come back in when he does. Something you always enjoyed, Dad, from a Wakefield perspective, is when current players earn rep honours. Um, and you went this past weekend to the England game and you saw Milky and Fafita and Tanganora lining up for the combined All-Stars. And obviously, in the past 24 hours, Tiddy has just been picked for the Cook Islands as well. So, great for the club. Yeah, I love that. From a from a heritage point of view and putting my records and ticks in boxes and stuff. Uh, I remember when we interviewed David Fafita on the podcast uh, a month or two ago, he was quite keen on getting selected for these representative uh, honours. So, I was chuffed as, chuffed as punch when he got selected. Uh, yeah, I went to Warrington just to watch the game, just to sort of see how our boys went. Um, and it's it's great watching them amongst the other stars as well. Jacob Miller was at uh, halfback with uh, Salford's Brodie Croft, and they linked really well. For the first 20 minutes, I thought Miller went fantastic. He was the team, he was kicking, had a kicking game. He was taking the line on. Um, and they didn't score, but they looked quite dangerous when he was there. Um, Tanganoa was, he, so, I was in the second row. Um, and when Cruz Leaving came off the bench, the lead hooker, he put him through some lovely gaps and he... Uh, it, 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 it sort of, it, there's nothing wrong with our halfbacks at Trinity, but I thought if he gets that right ball, then he was through. And he was a bit like Tanganora of old um, at Trinity when he first signed. Big Dave was um, tied up a lot. As soon as, he, as soon as he got the ball, four men hit him, and I noticed hands were all over the ball, so he couldn't offload. But he did a job, and it was uh, it was great to see them all play. Uh, as you say, um, Tia Rohn has been picked for Cook Islands, and he's flying over to uh, Australia this weekend. I think they play... I think they play Fiji or Samoa. I think it's Samoa. Um, but we, we, that means we don't have them at Salford, which I won't say it's an odd decision. Willie knows what he's doing. Uh, but there was also another. We, he didn't actually play, but I noticed uh, the 18 winger, Kyle Evans, got selected for Wales. Now, he's been he's got five tries in, in his three games in the A-team, and he's quite a good winger. So he was in the Welsh squad, but didn't actually play against Wales yesterday. But uh, I thought it was good, pretty good. Again, representative honours. It's uh, I, I, I love that style of thing. Excellent stuff. And um, moving on, Peter, we've we've had a few injuries since the last podcast. Obviously, Bill Tupu has kind of semi-come back in the reserves, but picked up another knock. Um, but the two major ones who are looking to be out for the majority of the season are Riesling and Liam Kerr, too. I mean, Riesling's been a, been a stalwart for the past 10 years, and Liam Kerr's had a, had a good season as well. So how much are we going to miss these players? Um, I think we'll be... It, look, Reese is one of those that... Uh, he does get some criticism sometimes, and, and I always think it's unfair. I think he's... Is even when we when we're not playing well and we we're getting beaten by twenty points, is the one that takes that ball and makes some ground and he and um, 
I do think we're missing. And one of the things with him as well, there was one time I was lucky enough to be in the in the boxes. And when you're there, you can hear what's happening. When they're on the line, you can hear um, what the players are saying. And the thing that really stood out for me is when, I can't remember which team it was, but we were, we were playing, um, it might have been Hub, I can't remember. And whenever we were coming off our line, they were really, really desperately trying to watch Reese Lynn. They were shouting all the time, it's Lynn's ball, Lynn's ball, get on him, get on him, get on him, because they knew he was the one that was going to make the ground off the off the line. They weren't shouting anybody else's name, but they were really concerned about him, and it, and it stood out for me. And, I, and I, li- I like him, I like him as a leader, and I like him as a, as a right-side defender, especially as well. It's hard for teams when you've got the attack comes down the left and your right defence needs to be great, and he's, he's good at that. So I do think we'll miss him. However... Um, you know, Batch stepping into that role, it, it seems to have really plugged in, and I'm surprised actually that he's done it. Um, and and to be honest, I'd keep him there for now because he's he's doing so well. It's great that we've got Croft coming back actually from could come back from loan to plug that if we really needed to, and I like him. Um, but why change it if Batch is doing so well? I think I'd keep it where it is. So I do think we'll miss him, but we've been lucky that we've we've managed to plug it with something that works really well. Um, Kay, I think, again, it, we're probably lucky that Hood's come back at a similar time because it's been a like-for-like, like and, and I've liked Kay, and I, and I like him as hooker, but I, I kind of like him as as both because especially when Tom was playing, if we worried that we were going to lose somebody, Kay was somebody that could move from the forward to the backs and and do it seamlessly. So um, the squad's looking okay to be able to cover those things at the moment. So, um Again, to answer the question outright, I don't think we're going to miss them like we we have done before, uh, but I think we'll miss we'll miss Lynn. And I think from Tupu, you mentioned Tupu as well. It would be nice to see him back. He has been one of my favourite players, and I think what he does is is he's just so good with the ball and and making yards and and troubling teams. But again, we've covered them with, I would say probably I don't know what everybody thinks, but a signing at the beginning of the year that I thought Hall was going to be cover. For somebody and he's turned out to be one of the best backs we've got over and over again consistently he's not like he has a bad game um so bill's going to find it hard to get in when he does come back for full, full fitness so um i think we're covered so for now i think we're covered and and andrew obviously we don't have shed loads of, of utility based players players who can play in lots of different positions but liam k has shown that he is one of these players so i think we're going to miss him greatly out for the rest of the season Yes and no. I think if if you say you know if if Lewis Murphy wasn't in such good form or if you know Tom Lyon still wasn't fit, maybe he would. But he said he he's probably played mostly at hooker. I think this season when he's filled in. Um, so I don't think he's really had too much impact on the season. Definitely going to be missed as a player who who, who we need um, who can make a difference and, and run the ball. But um, yeah, I think we. You know, it's not a utility player, but there's versatility there where where people can step in where needed. Um, like you've seen with with Batch going into centre last week, and um, you got Geordie filling in at, at hooker as well when when needed when Liam Hood needs a rest. So um, yeah, I think I think it's a miss, but um, as long as as long as those players there that have been covering, you know, they managed to maintain the form over the last few weeks, I think we should be good. Um, and then yeah, Riesling. Again, same sort of thing. You know, before before that game against Warrington, you'd say, "What are we going to do?" And then Batch steps in, and bang, there you go. You've got you've got yourself a ready-made centre there from from out of the blue. So, um, yeah, I, I, obviously, there's only so long where you can just keep plugging, you know, round uh, round hole, uh, square holes and round pegs. Sorry, but close um, enough. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. But it looks like it looks like we've we've got players who are capable of of, of adapting and, and filling in where they need to be. So that's good to see. Definitely so. I'll bounce it straight back to you, Andrew, but we'll talk about just the positives of the past kind of two, two and a half months. What have you enjoyed seeing from the team? Who's been playing well? What's kind of been linking for you? Yeah, I think it's that that left edge, Corey Hall and, and Lewis Murphy there for two players who you think first senior season really for both of them. Um, talked about Lewis Murphy before he had that little wobble, I think was it Leeds at home where they dropped, dropped a high kick and uh, led straight to a try and that that could have affected him, you know, it could have knocked his confidence, but he's bounced back and he's just got progressively better and linking up really well going forward and, and defensively um, with Hall on that left edge. And then I think, you know, going back to the, the transfer rumours, would be a shame to see Miller and Lino break up now because I think they've developed a really good understanding last few games. Um, last game, Warrington, I think probably three, maybe four of the tries came from that that combination. Um so, yeah, I think maybe, and that might be something, you know, that, that would persuade them to stay, even that they've got that understanding now, forming a good, a good partnership. They look like they enjoy playing with one another. So, um, yeah, probably those two would be, would be, you know, in terms of partnerships and combinations, um, most impressive. And hopefully that continues then for, for the rest of the season. Superb stuff. Dad, what about positives for you? Um. So yeah, so similar to the uh, obviously that right edge, um, Lynn and um, sorry uh, Murphy and uh, Hall, but I, uh, I I still like the forwards. The, the forwards have uh, they've, they've been they've been they've been going well. Um, I, I look at I often look at uh, consistency. Um, we've had 16, 17 games this season, um, and the ever present just bear with me, like uh, Matty Ashurst and Jay Pitts, uh, the, 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 um, they never let you down. There's still one on the, the both technical hours. They haven't missed a game, um, and they're they're going well. Um, Seventeen games each. Um, Asher's got four tries. Pixie's got one. But they're they work rate. Just when you look at the work rate in the second row, the the props. People were screaming out for props. Um, yes, maybe so. But uh, you know that Tiaron has been going well. Batty's had a go. Whitbread's got better and better as the season's gone along. Big Dave is, is one of my favourites as he has been. Um, Tanganawa, I much prefer him in the second row, which most people do, but we've got two good second rows. But um, I think he comes well off the bench. You know, when he's, uh, if he starts at prop, when he's, he's getting smashed down the middle, when he starts at second row or comes off the bench into the second row, he's causing more damage. And that's where um, he goes better. So the forwards, I'm a, I'm a uh, great fan of the forwards. It's a shame Liam, like you say, a shame Liam Kay's injured. Uh, Liam Hood started well, got that injury, carrying that shoulder. So we couldn't really, didn't really get a settled hooker. Brad Walker's had a go, Harry Bowes had a go, Crowther's had a go. But now Liam Hood's come back and uh, he, I like his nuggety style as well. So uh, as from the forwards, Batch, Crowther, um, people like that. A lot of young kids. Um, Isaac Shaw's only had a couple of games. But yeah, I love the forwards. They're going well. What about you, Peter? What's working for us so far? Um well, I had to pick something out. Obviously, the guys have just said um, a lot of the same things. I think for the for that positive two months, I'm similar with the forward and I'm similar with with the sort of nine position. I, I've liked Hood, and I think there were times when I was watching him, thinking he didn't, he wasn't quite working for him. But again, when you look at the stats and then watch him, I realised he was he was working really, really hard and and tying himself out. And a couple of times, he might have stayed on ten, 10 minutes too long, and and suddenly there was a hole next to where he was and. Um, you can't fault him in that sense, in that you know he's he's just um, 
worked himself into the ground, and I think we just need to manage that. But I've, I've quite liked his distribution and, uh, for the forwards, and I think that's part of the reason why the, the why the front rows um, got better again. But um, I quite like the... And I was going to say young players, but we've got quite a lot of young players that are actually quite mature players now. So you can, you know, with, you know, Batch and Crowder, are still young players in comparison to to others. And um, I've liked the fact that they've kept going and stuck with it and um, across the team, to be honest. So I mentioned it before, the positive for me is they haven't caved under the, under the stress of losing. So we've done that before where we've had a losing run and it's just got more and more depressing. And it's taken something really, you know, even a signing or something to change it around. And we've changed it around as a team. The same team of, you know, have come around, apart from Butler, uh, it's the same team that lost those games, lost to Leeds and Cass, of now winning. And if you put us back in, say, right, send Leeds and Cass back again, feel much more confident about playing them now. So uh, I like the fact that they've managed to turn it around in spirit. Um, one thing, and a really small thing that I quite like, is that... Um, because of it, it comes to like with Miller winning the, with the uh, drop goal and putting a, a, a big kick in, especially when Gale couldn't do it, who's renowned for that kind of thing. It reminded me of the fact that he has got a big kick for not particularly a big guy. He's got a big kick and the, the drop goal he did against Catalan a few years ago when it was massive. Um, I think sometimes they try to be too clever on the sixth tackle. The sixth tackle play doesn't always work for us. And we try to be too clever. And sometimes I think, to be honest, Miller's got such a high bomb. I'd almost go back to say, look, if it's not quite working, just put something up and put them under pressure. And we've done that a few times recently. And and and, and I must sometimes look at it, and every time he kicks it up in the air, I, I'm really surprised how far it goes compared to other reputable kickers. Um, so it does make me wonder whether Willie's almost pulled it back a little bit to say, let's just try to simplify a few things. Let's try not to be too complicated and drop the ball or put a little chip kick in that just gets you know, picked up, go back to the things we do well and those things we do well. So uh, those are my positives. We worked our way out of it. It might not be completely out of it. We may well lose to Salford and go on a run, but um, I'm confident that we will do the, you know, the best at that time with what we've got. So that's me, I think. Good stuff. Um, coming on to the other sides, obviously we're not just a club who's got a first team, we've got a women's team, we've got the reserve side, the academy and the scholarship as well. So I'll just round up a couple of the results. Um, the women's team, unfortunately, haven't, haven't won a game in this time period. They've, they've lost to, out to Lee Miners. Uh, they lost 86-0 to Warrington, which was a tough game. 20, 28-10 to Bradford and 54-10 to Featherston. Um, the reserves, otherwise, they were, are currently unbeaten all season. They're unbeaten in all seven games. They've beaten Warrington 26-10. Hull 28-22 and Bradford 34-12 since our last podcast. The academy are a bit of a wish-wash as well. They're not, not going too great, but obviously uh, being competitive. Um, they've lost out to Bradford by two points, got beaten at, at St. Helens, lost to Leeds 22-36 and lost to Hull 30 points to 10. And the scholarship as well have lost recently to Warrington and Leeds. But, um, Dad, obviously we've gone down and seen the reserves a couple of times. It's great for us to see that they're in unbeaten, they're in unbeaten form, and we're, and we're taking it seriously as well. The players who aren't playing in the first team are having some good minutes in that reserve side. They are, yeah. We, we, I, every week, even if I don't go, I keep an eye on the uh, on the teams. Um, and and the, the way the game we went to, they played Hull, and there was about nine first teamers in there. There was Rob Butler, there was Max Jowett, there was Tia Rona, uh, Eddie Batty played. Uh, Tanganol was on the bench but didn't play. Uh, he, he was pulled out. Um, Brad, Brad Walker, Jack Croft, Bill Tupper. So there was there was a real sprinkling of first teamers in there. Um, 
the other thing, interesting thing is that is they all a lot of, a lot go out on loan and we're still winning. You know, it's like I've got a list here. Just let me just see if I can find it quickly. You know, in in, in the last few months, Jack Croft, Kobe Porchin, Dame Windrow, Sam Sa, um, Sadiq Adibayi, um, Robbie Butterworth—they've all been out on loan, and they're a core of our or our A team. And and like Jack Croft was at Barrow, and then Newcastle. Sam Sa was at. Barrow and then Featherstone, adding Youssef, Aidan and Isaac Shaw who've got, who went on dual reg to Sheffield. So they're getting first team opportunities elsewhere and they're a core of our A team. So you're throwing that we've won seven hour, we've won all six of our first uh, reserve team games this year. Uh, and I mentioned it already. We've got this winger at the moment called Kyle Evans, a bit of an unknown, Welsh trialist. He scored a hat-trick last week against Bradford and he scored five tries in his three games. So we've we have I love watching the A team, all the reserves, and um they're going good. Definitely. So and just as we start to round off here, Andrew, looking at the next six weeks, a very big six weeks for us. We could arguably secure our place in Super League for next season, depending on what actually happens. We're looking at Salford away, Wigan at home, we've got Toulouse at Magic Weekend, Hulkear away, St Helens at home and Cass away. Some very tough games there. And arguably, probably only two games that we've been looking to pick up points, but with the type of club that can, you know, even arguably win all six there if, if we're on his day. Yeah, obviously, you're looking at Southampton to lose there. Um, you know, we're full of positivity here again, but it could easily turn, you know, a loss away at Salford. I wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if we lost at Salford and then be Wigan at home for, for the last game of, uh, of the East on there. So, um, yeah, I think. You know, we went into was it Cass at home at the start of the season off the back of that little spell, and everyone's feeling really positive there. And it was it was a Dow performance. So I think, and almost you know, the international break here probably hasn't done us any favours because we we've lost a little bit of that momentum. Um, and you know, you've seen Salford at home this year; they've turned a few decent teams over, so that's not going to be easy. Um, but you know, I, I mean, in terms of our survival prospects, realistically, you say we beat to lose. And maybe, you know, we don't pick up any points from the other ones. That does the job. Um, not particularly positive there, I know. But, you know, I think most people would, would probably not be surprised if that was that was the case. Um, but then, you know, you look at whole KL, they've also had a bit of a rotten spell. So uh, we could definitely go there and get something. Cass, obviously, everyone would love to go there and get, and get, get two points. Um, yeah, I think from that spell, I'd say, you know, three, my head says maybe two wins from six. Hart says maybe three or four, but I'd be happy with just being to lose, really, you know, when you take into into account what that would mean for the season. How positive are you looking at them six games, Peter? Um, again, uh, probably the same thing is that um, the winnable and and um, Salford at the beginning is probably the one that will really um, show us how we're going we're gonna to go because the, the no-mugs and you know, the fact that, he is, that we mentioned Brody Croft earlier, he's a great player and I think he gets some ticking. So um, it'll be a tough game, um, but the prize is there because because everything's so close above us. If we beat Salford, uh, we could easily go, I think we could go three places, up two places up, certainly. We go above Salford and, and Warrington with a win. And I think um, and, and I think Leeds, are, I can't remember who they are, but Leeds, Leeds and Warrington are both playing a tough team. So it could happen. Um it doesn't mean anything because at the end of the day, it's what the position is at the end of the season, but it will make something if we can do it. We're not usually very good at those games when we really need to win one to push us on. We seem to lose that one, no matter who it is. And then we, like you say, we go beat Wigan or Warrington or something like that. So um, I am positive about it. I think, um, 
I, I have to say, if there's one, if there's one thing I'd like to do, even if we, like Andy said, if we win two games, uh, it'll do it. And obviously, one, it's important that we beat Toulouse really, just to make sure there's a gap there. Um, if I could really, really pick one, I'd really like to beat Cass. I, I just want to beat him, just to end that run. It's important for the whole club to do that. But personally, I just really want to beat him. And then last but not least, question-wise, I've not actually put this on the rundown, so I'm going to surprise you a bit of this one. So we're pretty much bang in the middle of the halfway point of the season. So, Dad, I'll start with you. Who is your player of the half season of 2022 so far for Trinity? David Peter, just because he's one of my favourite players. I, admittedly, he's only played 10 of the 17. Up until Lee and Kay being injured, he was my, he was my standout player. Um, well, Jai Whitbread um, has been standout, but I'm a big Dave fan, big Dave for Vita, so he's my player of the year so far. Peter, who's yours? Um, well, I, I, I feel as if I'm going to steal this one because I thought everybody would, but Corey Hall is the one that stood ah, out for me. Going to be mine. I knew everybody was going to go. What I will say, though, is Corey Hall, I think, is, and I think he's everybody, so I'm going to pick somebody else as well because Lee just nearly did it. Um, I think Whitbread has been a, a shining light for me. That He's somebody that was unexpectedly has, has got better as well. So um, I'll let Corey Hall go and I'll, I'll pick Whitbread. Yeah, and, and Corey Hall, just before I go to you, Andrew, Corey Hall would be mine, because, Dad, you might correct me if I'm wrong. Has he only missed one game? He has, yeah. He's, he's played 16 of the 17. He got concussed at St. Helens and missed the uh, follow-up game. Yeah, so he's played the majority of the season. And in my eyes, he, he, he always plays a 7 out of 10 game minimum. He's nothing less. He ne- I very rarely see him make a mistake. He never really misses a tackle, never drops the ball, never has any bad discipline, never gets done for descent. Superb hands on him. Whether he, even if he gets a bad pass or a good pass, he can pass it an instant with with pressure defence on him. Or if he, if he's got a bit of space, he's got a bit of pace about him as well. I don't know how long we'll keep him because I think he's going to progress and progress and progress. And the development is shown. I think he's still only a teenager, might be on nineteen or even early twenties. Um, but I think he could easily win Player of the Season and Young Player of the Season if he carries on as well. I don't know, Dad, you might have the stats back if that's ever been done. Um, but yeah, Corey Hall for me. And I, I echo them as well with Jai, Jai Whitbread and, and probably them ever presence in, in Ashurst and Pitts. It's kind of, I always feel when, when we go down in form, them players are the ones that get a bit picked on and no Ashurst and Pitts don't do anything and X, Y and Z and their owners always been a bit lazy in the middle, but... Not for me. I, I, I don't feel like they ever really have a bad performance. But if gun to my head, if I had to pick one, it'd be I think it'd be Corey Hall as well. So, Andrew, round us off, mate. Who's your player of the season or half season so far? I think with a bit more consistency, it'd be Mason Lino because I think just his influence, key moments, his kicking's been superb. Um, and but I just think he's not quite been consistent enough. So with that in mind, probably then going back, say Lewis Murphy there, just because. For someone so young, he's not really, you know, they're not played senior rugby too much. Um, just, I mean, that tackle against Warrington last week, that's, I think that's the moment of the season for me so far. So just for that, and some of the tries, like he's a wonderful finisher, spectacular tries he's scored. Um, and he stepped in, you know, he's, fill, he's filling Tom Johnson's boots. So, you know, for that, for someone so young to step up and keep improving and, and have such a big, big influence on you know, results and, and winners' points in, in big games, uh, probably go for him. Can I, ju- I just add something to that as well? I, when we talk about Tom being so world-class and all that kind of thing, and, and we've got a young kid who's kind of taken his place, I'd go as far as to say, I don't think Tom would have made that tackle. I think Murphy did something that was so good. He was above everybody. I don't, I don't think he'd have made it. 
I think uh, so. That was an exceptionally good tackle. That I think at the end of the season, that that could be the thing that makes or breaks our season. Totally agree. Dad, Andrew, Peter, it's been a pleasure. These podcasts always go down really well to the fans forum, so I've been really impressed with that. We'll try and get them a bit more consistently, maybe every six or eight weeks. Um, but really, really good. Really enjoyed that. Thank you so much for, for joining us on the third annual Fans Forum. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 42 of the Wakefield Trinitarities podcast. You can find us on podcasting platforms worldwide and follow us on Facebook under the Wakefield Trinity Heritage banner and Twitter at WT Heritage Pod for further information and real-time updates. Massive thank you once again to my dad, Lee Robinson, our guests, Andrew and Peter. Keep an eye on all our podcasting platforms to see who we've got coming up in the next couple of weeks in terms of interviews. Thank you, everybody, and we will catch you all down the road. Hi, it's Cammy Triscomara. You have been listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. It's unbelievable!